Hey guys, welcome back to another Cut Light and Smoke podcast presented by zealcigars.com and of course, your very own Zeal Cigars house brands. Anyways, with that said, guys, we actually have a really good show to you. Also brought to you by CigarSoapbox.com, your number one place to find your men's soap that outshines Duke Cannon and Dr. Squatch on the internet. Go to CigarSoapbox.com. So the, the show is brought to you by these two websites, but I am, I am, we're talking about something kind of completely out of our range a little bit today, but it actually has to deal with men. Uh, and so our, our podcast, Cut Line Smoke Podcast, is talking about men, masculinity, and cigars. So we're smoking cigars. It's very smoky around here. I'm the only person not smoking cigars because I talk a whole lot, and I hit the ash into my microphone every time. I know you guys are tired of hearing about that. But we have, we have, we have two segments on the, on, the, on the cast today. Are you, are you excited, JB? Are you feeling good? I'm excited because I'm smoking this asylum tenure, bro. I was going to lead you into that, but never mind. Go ahead. And I jumped the gun, dude. You, uh, I jumped the gun. Bit, a little too bit. slow. Tell me about the asylum tenure. I don't know yet. I'm getting into it. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys whether it's worth twenty dollars or dude, not. You better say it's worth twenty dollars. We gotta sell that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dope presentation. Now, I tell you what, this it, that that brings me a really good question: is do we do we push stuff that we don't believe in? No, we don't. Not typically. Yeah, we don't. We don't. T- yeah, we mean not typically. I don't push, <laughs> I don't push well, stuff that I don't believe well, in. Well, some we carry some mainstream stuff that maybe we don't agree is some of the greatest cigars Correct. on the planet. Correct. And, and we do sell those and we do move those because they are good cigars. No, but no, 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 no. I got a bone to pick now. So, do you really think that I get on there? And I and I and I and I fake it till I make it. No, with, with, no, no, I never honestly. said you faked it. Okay, I don't think I do at no, all. No, no, no. That's no. one of the questions for people. Like, do you really love every cigar you smoke? No, I don't but, love every cigar I smoke, but I usually like yeah, most. Cigars and we don't I smoke. bring them in to sell if we didn't like them. Correct. Yes, exactly. Particularly doesn't mean they're they great. Say, if they if they <laughs> if they say ZHB on them, that means we smoked them all way before they got here. Yeah, and we really liked them regardless of what the industry says. That's why. What did that guy say when he came in today from Wisconsin? Right. Mm, he said mm-hmm. he smoked a Henry Clay and he didn't like it. Smoked ours and he loved it. Do you remember that? Am yeah. I, I, tell me, tell me I'm lying. Well, he he specifically said more that the Henry Clay had sticks and stems in it, and he had to pull them out, and that he almost got sick because he was pulling so hard on it. That's not what I heard. I heard he liked ours more than any. Of he the did scars. say that too. <laughs> he, he did say that. I might have been I've been selective hearing at that point. So uh, selective either, hearing. Either way, either way, outside the ADD rabbit holes I'm chasing. Uh, let's talk about the big topics today. We have two top, we have a split segment on here. One, we're going to talk about men and management, okay, and management styles, which is kind of fun. And then I actually have a guest here sitting to my right, your left, because you're directly across from me, uh, which is I've told her story before how she only dated older men. <laughs> and now she brought her boyfriend in here and she was talking to me. She went, she went in on the generation. She went in on your generation, bro. She went in on your generation and then basically. Well, isn't, isn't, aren't I technically considered older? No way, dude. You're 30. 32, bro. Well, how old are you? 29. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, yeah, I guess I'm not older. Stop talking. Stop talking. Okay, so here's the thing. I just proved you wrong. <laughs> that would be our generation <laughs> then for your uh, for your, for sure, for your for knowledge. Sure. For, I, will, I will. Yeah, <laughs> you lumped her in. You're like, that's our, not just me. <laughs> yeah, okay. So so your generation. And I don't identify. So wait, Okay, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Your, your, generation, your generation fluid. Is that mm-hmm. what you're gen, generation fluid? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so here's the, here's the thing. So what we're going to do after we, after we finish with the, the management thing, we're going to pop into this, catch up with them because she's no longer just dating. She's actually engaged and I can't wait to hear from you Trey but we're gonna and what's fascinating is um we're we're gonna kind of walk on eggshells around some of this stuff because it's a, it's, a, it's a tender subject for both of these subjects so when we talk about management and we talk about in particular micromanagement when we talk about like dating older men being younger and what have you 
Uh, it, I can I know they're eggshell things, but you know how we do here. We don't we don't censor anything. So we're just gonna jump into it with both feet into the ocean. So uh, first up, I'm gonna tell you to my left right here is uh, Harley Zach. He's made two appearances, if not three. On the uh, Cut Light and Smoke <laughs> podcast, he's one of the most outspoken guys in the entire world. I love Zach. And he's seriously, I mean, if you see him, he looks like just he's going to kill you with a stare. But <laughs> he literally is one of the sweethardest guys I know. Gives me a big hug. Doesn't let go until I do kind of guy. And I'm like, Zach, I'm good. He's like, no, bro, let's bring it in. Somebody so, actually walked in and asked if he was one of the partners that you do your soap with. Oh, uh, he looks good. He looks. He good. does kind of look like Jake. No, no, no. Who's he looks like? Mario. Yeah. yeah. No, no. He looks like the Santa Claus figure on Call of Duty that I sent you oh, in the picture. Oh, that's right. Where's my phone? Dude, you're a Call Where's of Duty phone? character and you don't even know it, bro. I don't have my phone. Dog on it. I'll show I it have, to you later. Hold on, on. I have it. Yeah, you got to see the picture, dude. It's you're you. a Call of Duty character, it's Zach. You, it's, it's you, bro. It's you with Santa Claus. It's you, bro. It's amazing. It's so I don't you. know. I don't know you how. You should see me in my Santa Claus suit. It's amazing. If, I bet, dude. If it's, bet. If it's better than this, I want to see it. It's incredible. Tell me that isn't you. Oh, yeah. That's I, like see, I told you, man. It looked doesn't it look just like him. Look at it. <laughs> Isn't that great? The laughs is, it's, it's incredible, dude. It's incredible. So dude, he's even mean mugging too. <laughs> I know, right? So here, so here's the, you. <laughs> here's the thing we're gonna get into today. Every guy works with managers. Every guy is a manager, or you work with managers, uh, or you're managed by somebody. Even myself, because I have business partners here. I'm business partners. I'm be my parents. Um, so. You're managed by somebody, you know, and uh, whether that's a guy or a girl or anything like that, particularly when you're a guy, uh, it affects you differently. And so we're going to be talking about that uh, in particular because Zach just said, I literally walked by Zach in the lounge. Like, we got to talk about management, micromanagement today. That's what you should do on your podcast. And you should have me on. I'm like, done. Let's go into it. He's got something he wants to get off his chest today. He's got something he wants to get into it. It's just a learning day. What's a learning day? Tell us about this elephant. So so talk about, talk about, so when you talk about micromanagement and let's, 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 there's a difference between macromanagement, micromanagement, and then just management altogether. So micromanagement is a guy who oversees a part of the company or a company that needs to have his hands into everything because there's trust issues somewhere probably. Okay. Or and then macromanagement is completely hands off. You do what you want. There's no instruction. Both of those are terrible. They're they're like they're they're oppo- bad on both sides. Yeah, for exactly. Sure. They're they're opposite ends of the spectrum, and both are bad. I think you know as a as a manager, you need to be actively involved in your people's lives, and actively involved in the organization of what you are explaining to them to do, and listing out expectations of what you want for people to do. I think that's one of the things that we really try to do here with our employees is like. Here's our expectations. Here's what you do. How you get done what I need you to do, I really don't care. I just want you to get it done. Does it make sense? So like, there's not there's not times I'm looking over Justin like, why are you labeling like that, dude? Why are you why are you why are you packing like that? Why are you stocking like that? Why are you selling cigars like that? There's never a question like that. There Actually, isn't. when you do ask me questions like that, what's my immediate response? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure what to say. What what's my what's Typ- your typically my immediate response is you better explain to me why you need to tell me I'm doing to do this differently. <laughs> Cause I do what I want. <laughs> yeah, you kind of you kind of do that. Yeah, or, or I you're just, no, or you're I just irritated. You're like, well, what what what's wrong with this? Right, I'm because like, I'm 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 gonna need an explanation on why that's better than right. the way I'm doing it. And, and if it I, is better, then I'll do it. And you do, you do, you, you take correction very well. You really, really, you really well. And really that's do. whole and that's part of the whole micromanaging thing, yeah. right? Because a lot of times when people are you know in that management role or you know leader role or whatever it might be, they um. Slide that closer to you, dude. There is you it a far away? Yeah, that's good. Okay. There you go. Then I feel like I'm on top. Just put your put your put your chin into it, dude. Get your beard. Let it let, let, let your beard lick the microphone, bro. Just get closer. You know, but like I was saying, you know, it, it with the with the you know, with like micromanaging, right? You get kind of 
um, these managers that are like have to be in the middle of everything all the time. And like, there's no explanation of why they want you to do shit the way that they want you to do it. Right. They're just, this is how I want it done constantly. And they're always asking you why you're doing something the way that you're doing it or not doing it. Or there, these expectations are totally out of the box Mm -hmm. from where you're used to or where you come from. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially if you go from um, a, macro management system mm-hmm. to a micromanaging system it's throws everything so far off it's not even funny that's a big culture shock it is yeah it's i a think big culture i think that, shock. i think that can be a, a the first off the guy who steps into that that role is tremendously um scared i would be scared if i jumped into a role where every where the old guy before me was hands off because i managed people for the last 20 something years so the old guy was like hands off and then you come in and you're a hands-on kind of guy now i think there's a way to ease into that uh but i also think that you know if you that's another thing too the the i've i just wherever i've been I've never been micromanaging i mean i just never have well then that you was know. you know in my all of my years of being a manager or leader because i think that there that's there's <laughs> i honestly believe that there is two those are two totally different things mm-hmm. if you're you can be a manager and never be a leader. Mm-hmm. Sure. Absolutely. Or, yeah. And you can be a leader and never know how to manage somebody. Mm-hmm. Never. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that that's too, like, you can teach somebody how to be a manager, but you can never teach somebody how to be a leader. Mm. I, I don't think I'm a good manager. I think I'm a good leader. I agree. I would I would 100% believe that. Like, with, with a large company, with lots of people, I don't want to manage that. I just really don't. But I'm, I think I'm a good leader. And, and as, a, as a manager, I think what makes me a good manager here is because I own and I run the place and I can do what I want. But if I if I didn't and I had to work in a different structure, I think I would be a very, very poor manager. I think I'd be a good leader, and so I'd need someone to teach me how to manage what they're expecting me to do, if you yeah, will. I think, I think that would be with any, with any kind of business, Look, to be honest with you. I think it also depends on what you're managing too, right? Like, right. are you managing people? Are you managing numbers? Are you managing... Um, a sales team. I think or we're you talking, about, I think we're talking yeah. about people. Yeah, yeah, yeah mostly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, I think that you know whether it's whether you're managing, as far as people are concerned, whether you're managing a sales team or whether you're managing um, a poker room or whether you're managing um, an i an, an Apple store, right? Production line. Um, production line. It doesn't matter, right? They're people. You're managing people. It's all the same. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. what business it is. It's yeah. all the same, right? You're either leading them to do something or Mm -hmm. you're managing them to do something else. But I don't, I think it's very difficult to be both a manager and a leader. It's a special person. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that that's, you know, that's one of the most frustrating things, especially, you know, with, you know, what we talked about before. Um, and I don't want to get into it on the podcast because, well, people listen to this podcast. So, um, and I still want to kind of have a job tomorrow, but, um, (laughs) but you know, I think that, you know, a lot of times people, walk into a position and they're forced as a manager by their managers. Right. Cause we all, there's always somebody that's oh, sure. calling the shots above you. Right. hundred percent. Um, but they're being forced by their management team or whatever to, you know, put policies in place that are completely out of the ordinary or completely, um, when you already have a team that's been producing that they're trying to change it into something else. And it's very difficult for, especially for people that have managed and have led teams before, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you've, you're, you know, you've 
I, you know, you feel kind of like you don't really know what to do mm-hmm. and you're just frustrated all the time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. At least that's me. Anyway. Well, <laughs> well and one of my biggest frustrations when new management comes in and I feel micromanaged is almost always 90% of the time is that new management didn't take any time to get to know the people that they're managing. Oh, absolutely. And that's kind of in, you know, the position that, um, you know, that we're in right now, right? Like these guys, uh, they, you know, they came in and they never really got to know any of us, right? Or how the system was yeah, there's before no they rapport. just started laying in ground rules, these new ground rules, right? So it's mm-hmm. pretty frustrating. Yeah, that I can imagine for anyone... So <clears throat> I can imagine for anyone jumping in there, that's frustrating because so, so, so here's, so we go from owner all the way down to um, just, just we'll say bottom tier employee. The owner is responsible to make the profit because he wants to make the money. Then he puts the pressure on the upper tier management to make the money and put the pressure on the lower tier management. Then to put the pressure on the employees all the way down to the guy who cleans the floors or whatever else. Right. So, all the way down there, you've got pressure from the very top, and I think it always stop. It always starts with that leadership mentality at the top. Like I want to lead my people, so I got to know mm-hmm. my people. And I, I think one thing the, the art of I'll call it the art of the art of humanity uh, can be lost in business in such a way because at the end of the day, doors have to be kept open, lights have to be kept on, and so people go. At the end of the day, I just need to get this stuff done. But the problem is you can get so much more production if you sacrifice initially all the profits that you could make for the people you're going to have to replace. I'll give you an example. I started a business with, my, with a buddy of mine uh, back in the day, and uh, this was started just out of, out, of, out of curiosity. So I'm curious what you guys think about this. Um, so back in the day, we went to McDonald's one time, right? We were, this is when I was probably like 30 at the time. So I was eight, say 18 years ago, we go to McDonald's and the kid behind the counter wasn't even paying attention to us. And we were ready to order at the counter. And he was just like sitting over there chilling out. I'm probably before phones and everything were really big. And, and eventually I was like, he looks at me because gosh, man, what's it like hiring people and just having to fire them because they're just idiots. You know, and I'm like, I wonder what that would, what, what the cost initial, what, what the cost is on training an employee, firing them and all this kind of stuff, what that does to just McDonald's itself. You know, it's one of the biggest fast food chains. So I started doing some research and everything like that. Found out, like, it, the average of what it costs the company to hire and fire somebody is in the thousands of dollars. Yeah. You know, like, to do that. And so if, if, you, could, if you could create a business where you could train management how to communicate their values and, and worth to, to frontline people, they could have a retention, you know, that would save them millions of dollars a year. So we created a business around that. So it was really interesting. So we went to... Went to, to Taco Bell, hot, all these, all these guys, and saying, do you, "Do you guys get along with the younger generation?" Like, no. And I'm like, "Would you like to and keep retention?" They're like, "Yes." And then go to the upper management and say, "How would you like to save a ton of money doing this?" And they're just like, "Oh my gosh, yes! You you got a guaranteed method?" I'm like, "No, no, no, no." But here's what we're gonna do. So we went into high schools, and we started asking senior classes that were graduating what they want in an employer, right? What they want in an employer, and everything. So I gathered all this data and. All this information, like everything was just amazing. And my buddy moved and I moved. <laughs> so we were like, can't do it now. So, but I have this stuff still literally on my computer where I have information from major corporations on their turnover ratios of young people between the ages of uh, 16 and 25. So this is, but this is from 10 years ago. So it's, it's, it's a problem that's needed solved. And yeah. uh, Apple actually has a program. I don't know if this is public or not. Uh, how long have I Are been? You, how long have I been out of there? Two years. Yeah, I might dude. be okay. 
Uh, no, the seven year thing, dude. It, I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Go ahead and say uh, it. <laughs> I, if I remember correctly, I think they're working on a program that they are going to work with uh, school systems mm-hmm. and implicate an Apple training program into school systems so that kids can come out of school pretty much certified to go work for Apple. Mm-hmm. So kind of like working at a JVS where you can get SAE certified to work on car or ASE certified to yes. work on cars. Yes. You can get certified to work on HVAC, be a hairstylist, be a coder. Like you can do all this at like a JVS or a, a what do other people call it? A trade school. Yeah, trade school. Um, yeah. So it's like that, but they're, they're going to offer that at like the high school level. So I can mm-hmm. basically come out of high school with enough knowledge and it didn't cost Apple very much money in the long run to get these stuff into the school systems. Once they're running, the schools take it over. Right. And then the, you know, it's funded by the government. So here, so here's, here's, here's one of my questions. Here's here's a really big thing that we found in in all of our research. This is fun. And and this is coming off the heels of reading that book. Um, the dumbest generation ever. (laughs) Okay. Never trust anyone under the age of uh, 30. It's a little literally what the book said. Okay. It's real. It's stats and everything. It's just crazy. It's an old book. It's about, it's about, (laughs) It's about 10 years old, so like you, it's before your generation even. So uh, it was really interesting because we get all this information. We get, we get everything done here. And what we found is that the younger generation, this is, the, this is we're talking like 18 years ago when we did this, okay? They're willing to go work for somebody for way less money for a better work environment. Absolutely. I mean, like way less money. Like they'll take $50,000 a year being happy and having time off and doing doing stuff they want and having a good relationship with their management team and everything else like that versus having $100,000 being super stressed out, not ever having any time to do anything else like that. Like they care more about lifestyle than they care about like money yeah. in there, which is very different from what I think. I'm like, I, I care about money versus lifestyle. Well, you I spend care. more time at work than right. you at home. Yeah, and it's, so that, yeah. so that, that's my whole thing. Yeah, right? I get it. That is my whole thing, yeah. right? Like, if I go to a place, I don't care how much money you make. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I need to make money. That, right. That, we, I mean, no, we, we, you're there to make We money. all have to, yeah. brother. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact remains is that I refuse to be unhappy and a job that I'm I just refuse to be unhappy at a job. Like there's right. just no point to me, right? Like I don't go to work to be, ha- if I'm not happy there, I'm not going to be happy at home. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm not one of those You're ones. Miserable. Yeah. I'm not one of those people that can like, Oh dude, my day sucked, but I'm going to go home and be happy. That's not how that works. Right. Sorry. Right. If my day sucks at work, my day sucks at home. Yeah. And it just, I, I don't know how to like do you know, flip that switch to like, Oh Yeah. I'm well, gonna leave this shit. To, I'm gonna leave this shit at work, or I'm gonna leave this shit at home. It doesn't work that way. I, I'm just not that guy. Yeah, it's it's the same way. I would say it's the same way in marriage, even to where it's if I'm fighting with my wife, there's no way I can go to work and be happy. Right. Like there's no way if I go to. I can, if, I can if, tell those days. Oh yeah, dude. I can like, tell those days when happened. you come in and I'm like, yo, how how was your morning, bro? And you're just like, yeah. I mean, oh yeah. I, mean, I was just having that conversation yeah. with Nelson the other day about mm-hmm. being miserable, dude. Like if I'm not happy. Right. Then there's just no point because I'm not being a productive employee for yes. one. I'm not being a uh, productive human being and I'm not most certainly and most importantly I'm not being a productive husband. Right? So so so, so I learned that lesson I learned that lesson prior to coming here and, and doing and starting Zeal. So I learned a lesson prior to where there was a couple employees that I I I was super micromanaging on and it was cuz I didn't trust them. So I didn't mm-hmm. trust them. I was super mm-hmm. micromanaging because I didn't, I didn't trust them. And I know I made their life miserable. I, I know that that was a fact. And that was because I was trying to get the best out of them. And they will even say to this day that changed me for the better. But 
it was like a football coach talking to a player. Like you need to get in the game, you need to understand the play, you understand what my expectations of you are on the execution of the play and everything you had else. The playbook like all summer. Yeah. So I mean, like th- things like that. Is it from a movie? Is that another movie? It actually is not. Oh, thank God. No, it's from okay. Kyler Murray. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sorry. He's hurt. You can't make fun of a hurt guy, man. That's terrible. But he, but he did have the playbook all summer. He, he did. He did have the he playbook. Did. And there's a, cl- there's a clause for a reason. Anyway, so, uh, but there, but here's the, here's the reality. So I remember that. I remember that. And so maybe there, and that, and that's a very dangerous environment to find yourself in as a manager. It is because there's there's a disconnect from you personally from the person because you want so bad for them to achieve. And I mean, if you're if you're a good person in general particularly I hope I am, I wanted that person to achieve so much because I saw so much potential in them, and they, they eventually got there, but the cost was the relationship for them to get there. And so I think that's that's one of the things that I learned a big lesson on that I would never repeat again with another employee. And I went, you know what, I'll never do that again because I, even though you know he achieved great things and he's, he's still doing well, I... I think I really, really, really damaged. In fact, I know I did damaged our relationship in such a way it's unrepairable because they, I wanted to get the best performance out of him I possibly could. Now on the football field, it's different because we're in a game and it's only for about two hours. And at practice, you're only in it for about two hours. When you're working, to your point, Trey, you're with somebody for how long? Forty hours a week. Yeah, man. that's the, you're almost more than your family off. Forty hours you know? a week would be nice. Yeah. So yeah. So <laughs> I, I, and sometimes if you're in the job. <laughs> right. <laughs> if, you, if you're in the auto industry or the motorcycle industry or anything else like that, you guys know as 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 salesmen or as you know uh, advisors or managers or anything else like that. You're there seven in the morning, sometimes seven at night. If not, like you got a client coming in to pick up a bike or pick up a car, he's gonna you're gonna be there later, you know. And, and something like days off. Yeah, he yeah. calls you on a Sunday. And he's like, "Hey, man, I can get there today." You're gonna be in there to yeah. make that sale because you get commissioned off it, you know. So, I think one of the one of the one of the big things for managers to to think through. If any of you guys are listening right now, and you're thinking I'm a manager and I'm having some problems. That personal connection with your employees, if it's possible, because there are times that somebody puts up a wall, yeah. and it's not long because there's only so much you'll take. There's only so much an employee will take and go look. But I, I think that's where humility as a manager comes in, and you go, "Hey, man, I, I need to really talk to you about some stuff." And say, "We got off on the wrong foot. I was wrong about this." And I think that aspect can really change things in a work environment where you go, "You know what? I need to take some ownership on some stuff that I did." And say I'm I'm really sorry about this, and let me see if I can make this thing better, a better working environment for us both. And that does take the manager doing that because the 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 employee often is just getting so beat up at that point where he he can't do that. He, he's just like I'm just you're just trying, and everyone's trying to please the person above them. You know, you just are. It's a natural thing in human nature. So you're trying to play, please the person above you, and if there's nothing you can do to please them, there's a point where you're eventually you're just like, look, I'm not happy. I can't do this. I don't want to come into work every day and be miserable. Let's quit. Because I can find uh, somewhere else to be miserable. I think we did an episode on that called "Quietly Quitting Your Job." We, we did. did. We did. Yeah. Were you on that one? Yeah. Yeah. Was. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I was. It was prophetic. How bro. ironic! It's prophetic. Well, here's you know. here's the thing that drives me nuts when it comes to management. Right? There's a there's a secret there's a secret formula, and it's easy. And ever and I feel like so many companies blow this. If you if your employees are happy and love to come work for you, they will move mountains you for are, you. You are a testament to that, and that is an absolute truth. There are times if I called you 
and something was wrong at Zeal, and you live closer to Zeal than I do, you'll come down here and you'll do whatever I need you to do. Absolutely. And, and that's and there's time and we talk all there's, here's the other thing too. Like you gotta think of management different today. Like back twenty years ago, I, you never text employees or anything else like that. Now there's times where you have my personal number, I have your personal number. That was like day one even. And so like as a result of that, there was almost a, a relationship prior to you coming. Then when you worked here, that grew even more. Now to such a point where I trust you with the company and I can say, hey, man, I, I can't be there today. I need you to do this, this, and this. And you're like, dude, don't worry. It's all done. Like I, how many times I hear this out of Justin's mouth? Dude, done. Dude, got it. Dude, got it. It's always dude something. Okay, it is. So it's, it's I got Bro, it. Bro, no <laughs> worries. <laughs> yeah, all, all that kind of stuff. And it, and it actually is done. And so when I come in here, it's very rare that I expected something to be done and I come in here and it's not done. Very rare. In those days, there's a reason where it couldn't be done by nature of the fact that we had employees stacked up in the lounge and we had a line and everything else like that. And it couldn't be done because we want to sell cigars versus label them and get other stuff done and pack everything else that we have to get done. You yeah, know, but so. it's not that you had to tell him to get it done. You just had to ask. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's I mean, the difference between a manager and a leader. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. it really is. I mean, but, in my in my opinion, that that's really is. If you if you're a leader, all you got to do is ask, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But see, that's the thing. I have enough trust and rapport in him that Absolutely. he can act in a managing way mm-hmm. because I have the trust in his leadership. Absolutely. That if he decides to manage me in a way where he says, hey, uh, I need you to do things on the website differently because I need things to be different this way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. But yeah. that's him asking you and explaining to you why yes. it needs to get done, not right. just you need, you need to purpose. do this because I said so. Yeah. Right? yeah that's, that's the part where the... Yeah, this is the hard part. Wait, and he knows how to motivate me too. Absolutely. Yeah, I do. Right, like, like if he says something and oh. it didn't seem like I jumped the way that he wanted me to jump, like maybe yeah. maybe there's something that that had a little bit more of a of a uh, of a uh, mm, I'm trying to think of the word for it. Something that had a little bit more urgency to it, and he's like, "I need you to get this done." And maybe I didn't like I didn't have as much urgency as he needed me to. He knows me well enough because of the relationship that we have. He could hit me with a like, hey, bro, I really need to get this sent out because uh, we need to have this look good on us or we need this to do this or I couldn't get that done and that's why I needed you to do it, right? He, he knows how he can say something to me to motivate me in a way of saying, oh, crap, I didn't catch it that way. Right. I got you. But that's where the because comes in. Yes. I, I, think, I think a lot of times managers don't – here's the hard part. Here's the rub behind everything we're talking about. This is the really hard truth. Managers sometimes won't put in that, and I call it emotional work. It's emotional work. It is very hard emotional work. Yeah. So it's the hardest work part of it. Yeah, it really is. You won't put in that emotional work because there's an emotional um, lacking or maturity with the manager himself to recognize that that's a valid thing that he, he or she needs to do. So if you don't, if you don't recognize that I need to do this with my employees, I need to like, I'm telling you what, man, they're de- So what do we, I, I always talk about this. This was my fun. I'm looking forward to Christmas Eve more than you'll ever know. And this is because we established. That's so, a Saturday, by the way. I know I'm super pumped. Um, I established something with Justin without knowing it because I really liked him and I knew he gamed. I didn't, I didn't even game until I got together with Justin. And then all of a sudden he, he was talking about, Call of Duty Warfare and stuff like that. And my son, I played it. I'm like, I'll play a little bit and catch up with JB if I can. And he's just really good. So he's be a professional gamer, so I can I can say that. 
we came down here like two years ago and you're working part-time. And I said, and he says, what are we going to do for Christmas Eve? I said, well, we close early. We do open for like 11 to three, you know? And I said, I said, why don't you, won't get down here early, bring your Xbox, bring your PS4 and I'll bring my Xbox and we will, we'll just game before we open, you know? And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, dude, let's do that. So we get here like at seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning and we're gaming when no really good players are on, so we can actually make some, you know, wins maybe. And uh, <laughs> the so, West Coast is still sleeping. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I think I and so for me, that's a real bonding time for us. I'm like, that's a that's a big. And there's other things that we do as well. We go riding together. We do stuff. He's he's not just an employee. He's a friend. He's he's like a little brother. It's like somebody who's who you care about. And there's other things that happen to him outside work that I care deeply about. That I am there for. That if. If he was like, dude, I, I need to talk to somebody. I need to do this. And, and that's happened before. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm, I'm there and all that kind of stuff. So is that convenient? No, it's just not convenient. But friendship is never convenient. It just isn't. It just, think about it. If you're a real well, it's friend like your relationship somebody, when you get right. married, dude, it's, there's a lot that's not convenient. If, if Okay. Here's the reality. Ready? If, if you're a manager and you really want to know the key, it's these three things, and I say it all the time on here. If you haven't, then you should write them down. If not, you should listen to this podcast four or five times. <laughs> the first thing you need with anybody is you need time. Mm. You just need time with them. I mean, in 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 work, out of work, find a, find a way. You need time. Take them out for a beer. Take them out for a coffee. Yeah. Take them out for New a burger. New management group or going out for drinks. Right. Some, something like You just need time. You need time. The second thing you need is trust, and that's built over time. Yeah. Like, you need to come through for those people in a way they see that you value them, where they're like, oh, this is a relationship for this person. I value them. I, I still have friends from the auto industry today that still come by. Who came in today? A guy I knew 15 years ago. Yep. Right? Dustin. And so- He lives out of state even. Yeah. He came, he came in today. Did kind of kind of, a, kind of a bait and switch on me. He told me he had a friend something by and it was actually him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was really cool. So like that time trust ultimately leads to this one thing and this one thing only that drives a relationship. And it only comes if you the only the other two. If you don't have this, if you don't have the other two, you can't test the third one. So you have to have time. You have to have trust. And the very last one you have to have is truth, meaning you have to be able to tell somebody hard truths, and you have to be able to receive the hard truth from them on ways that you need to change or you need to better your performance or things like that. But I can't tell you that without having time and truth. If I just have a title. And I don't have any of those other things. It comes off as slavery. And it comes off as just, hey, you're a cog. I need you to do better or I need to go get another cog. Okay. And then all of a sudden you feel threatened. And so you're working harder, but you don't really work for the pleasure of the person above you. Which means uh, you're not doing yeah, the work. Because you're not happy. Exactly. A hundred percent. A hundred percent, dude. So I, I think that's, if, if you're going to, if you're going to try to wrap up the, the management, micromanagement, macromanagement, find it, find it, find a dynamic tension that actually works in the middle. I think it takes those three things. Agreed. And it's the same thing with any relationship. And, it, and that's the thing. Today's market demands relationship and not just management. I'm telling you this, guys. If you think it's just management and your employees just are cogs that do things for you, you will cycle through people so ridiculously fast. I'm just, I'm not going to toot my own horn. I'm just going to make a statement. Are there people that want to work here right now? Yes. Have I said no? Yes. Multiple times multiple times they want to work here because they know the environment is amazing it is an environment it is a good environment that's because i come from great stock and i have people in my life that have taught me those principles that i'm trying to give give to the 
the next generation that when he Justin runs his own shop, his own thing someday, he goes, I remember and, I'll, and and he'll be one of those people I hope fighting to carry my casket that goes, Hey, look, this guy taught me these principles and this works emphatically. It works emphatically. And then I'll do my little Jesus push. Cause I know everyone loves this thing. This all comes. Okay. <laughs> Because this this all comes from my faith. This I a hundred percent believe this that I treat people because they're made in the image of God, and they're not just human beings and dead spirits with flesh on them. They're people. They need people to work with, and that's important. That's why they have value and worth. Everybody, regardless if it's the the one person in your company who you can't stand and they can't stand you, they're still valuable. They're incredibly valuable, and if you don't freaking see that. And you don't start working on the time, trust, and truth. You'll never, you never get any kind of performance out of them. I learned that the hard way. To be honest with you, I think that's why this is such a good environment now. Well, and I think too, you know, like you said, with the truth thing, you're never going to find that any truth before you have time and trust. Yep. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Just you just never will, right? You 100%. can't sit, you know, as a manager, you can't sit in your office, man, and and yeah. and expect to get time because you're not right. right? You're just right. non-existent, except for to come out and tell people what to do, right? That's not getting time. Bro, bro I, I, I'll end this segment on this. If you feel that the only time, oh, we got somebody ready to speak up. Uh, if you feel that the only time you have to talk to your employees to tell them bad news or how they need to be corrected, mm. you're already missing mm. the point. You're already missing the point. Yes. If you're not going out there telling them what a good yes. job of doing and everything like that, I'm, I'm just uh, one more, one more freaking thing, Justin. How many times this month can you say, I've said these words to you. I'm just being honest, man. I love you, dude. You're doing a great job and I appreciate you. Uh, probably more than I could remember. And sincerely. Yeah. I mean that sincerely. Like I, I come out, I, I've, even, I've even times where I'm like, I didn't really do that good a job on that. But, but, I, but, <laughs> but, but still, you still say it. But I, I do. And so like, and I, and I make it a point to stop and tell you that. Yeah. Like, hey dude, seriously, just so you know, I wouldn't want to do this without you. Seriously. I, don't, I wouldn't want to do this without you, man. Just so you know. Yeah. And, I, and that's not because it's been a hard day or anything like that, or we had to get something crushing done and we did it. It's just a matter of like, he needs to hear that. And I really do appreciate it. And guys, particularly me and anybody else, we tend to forget that because we get wrapped up in our own heads all the time and everything like that. But I got a final word from, from I think, my, my, my brother from another mother who's, who's burning behind the microphone right now to say something. Go ahead, Nelson. Let it burn. <laughs> well, I also, too, think that people are a reflection of your business, no matter what mm, your business is. That's huge, solid bro. Word. Right. So, yeah, dude. Um, that's solid. If the people are not taken care of, or they're not happy, um, I can speak um, myself. Uh, there's establishments, companies, there's areas where you know you love to go because you trust the people and mm -hmm. customer service mm -hmm. or whatnot. You, you value their opinion. Well, when those people leave or those people are let go, there's, there's like restaurants, there's bars, there's all kinds of establishments out there that I just quit going to because yeah. they're not well-trained. Mm. They're not established, and they don't have that customer relation there. And and you can have an, a, a, the biggest, best building, but if you don't have the people that are there that you trust, yeah, it's not worth going then. A hundred percent. And that reflects all the way from man small that, to great. That's big, dude. He's, he's sitting over here all silent assassin like hit, yeah, us, with, hit us with the one timer. Comes dude. in as a sniper. He, he does yeah, that a lot. Dude. <laughs> no seriously though like that's that another lot. thing that i think management forgets right like mm -hmm. 
those people that you're managing and are upset and not happy employees that are there to do a job for you are the ones that are the first contact that people are coming in contact they're, with and they walk in the, the trenches reflecting you. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I, That's I would big. I would 100% agree there's, with that. There's a there I I bought my bike from where I bought my bike from because of that reason, right? right. Like I got treated differently Dude, when I walked into that building compared to a, where I got treated at another building. That's a hundred percent true, man. So when you go back, back for an oil change, bro, that other well, place. That, yeah. that goes back to um, business. You will pay more. I will pay more. A hundred percent. Yep. I can go down the road and, and get whatever it is cheaper. Mm-hmm. But if I'm taken care of and I'm greeted and I'm appreciated, no matter what business it is, what company is, if I know I'm in good hands, You're I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to give it to them because I know why. Because I trust them. Yep. And that goes like back mm. to you say. And that's big coming point. from Nelson because he's a cheap bastard. I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I, am, I am very tight. Everybody, yeah. I, it's I'm, huge coming from him. I'm telling you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's one. I mean, and I, I admire that about him. So I think that's Bef- cool. Before we switch over to the other questions you wanted to ask, dude, I gotta say, this Asylum Tin is well worth every freaking $20 penny. Really? It's really good, dude. Yeah, like, dude. I'm really even, impressed. Even like 21? It's the, the bigger size is 25. I would probably pay a little bit more to smoke the bigger size. Wow. It's very Whoa. good. Dude. It's, wow. it's got a unique woody creaminess to it. Really? It's very, very good. That's awesome. It's man. very good. What we're going to do is we're going to end this podcast. We'll start another podcast and do that one. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Zeal Cigars. I don't know, for the Cut, Light, and Smoke podcast presented by ZealCigars.com. ZealCigars.com, find your awesome cigars online there. And if you need to clean that cigar smell off you, mm. I know a website. Go to CigarSoapbox.com and check us out there. And for the Cut, Light, and Smoke podcast, I have been Bradley the whole time. Whoa. I'm pretty sure JB's been JB off the rip with that very loud in, et, et, extra exit music. And, it's the walkout. Out, outro. Outro. The outro. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in. I God. made this outro. It's awesome. God bless. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Peace. <laughs>